It's time for a Big Blue Kickoff Live. Nobody can ever tell you that you couldn't do it because you're dead. On Giants.com. You know what I saw? New York Giant Prime. And the Giants mobile app. We'll punch you in the nose for 60 minutes with a relentless competitive attitude. Part of the Giants Podcast Network. Let's go out there like a bunch of crazy dogs. Have some fun. Welcome to Big Blue Kickoff Live on Giants.com and the Giants mobile app. I am John Schmelk, joined by Jeff Fiegels. The phone number for you is 201-939-4513. Hashtag Giants chat on Twitter. If you want to get in touch with us that way, you certainly can. Jeff Fiegels, it is hey. our first official Friday show before regular season NFL game in the year 2020. It is a wow. good day. Wow. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Football last night was good. Excited about the weekend. Going to be able to watch some football on Sunday. And like I said yesterday, if you're a player in the National Football League and you start the season off on Monday night, what a great way to start because you get the Thursday night football game, then you can get some college on Saturday and a full slate of football NFL on Sunday, and then you get your own game on Monday. So it's going to be exciting. I don't want to jinx myself because as of right now, I don't plan on working on Sunday. But who knows what's going to happen between now and then, Jeff. Oh, I think you will be working. I think you will be. Shut up. (laughs) This <laughs> Hey, listen, I only say that because your text today told me yeah, well, I'm drowning. Yes, dr- dr- drowning was the phrase I used. That's correct. But this will be the first Sunday that of the first Sunday of the first week of the NFL season that I'm not working mm-hmm. some type of job while games are going on Yeah, since 2001. Wait. 2001 was the last t- last year I wasn't working on It's impressive on that you were NFL able to go days. back and realize that and like, you know, go back in your mind and go, okay, what's this? Yeah, in 2002, two, three, I was an intern four. at WFAN cutting mm-hmm. hi- NFL highlights on Sundays. Mm-hmm. And then in 2003, I started working the board at Giant Games over there. And the Giants, we opened up on a Monday night once, if I believe, right, against the Lions in Detroit one year. But that mm-hmm. was a road game. So we traveled on the Sunday. So this will be the first Sunday since 2001 I will actually be at my home watching the opening Sunday of the NFL season, and I could not be more excited for it. And you hope your daughter cooperates. Right? Yeah, you are just like usually I'm the wet blanket. You are yeah. just like you have like the ice water in a bucket, and I've you are just, just flinging listen, it at me all I've show. We're two minutes in. Come I on, have Jeff. Been there. I've been there and done I know, that. Yeah. I just no, and you're I understand, right. and, and I speak the truth, John. You know that. I know you do. That's why I don't like you. <laughs> <laughs> well, I do hope you have a good time because yes. I know you will. And uh, even hey, listen, if your daughter interrupts that, it's okay. It's it, priceless. It absolutely is, and I can actually watch football with her, which is something I never get to do. There you go. And I'm hoping at the age of three, she can at least appreciate some of it we'll see um okay so it's our first preview week jeff and you know friday yeah. is our very heavy game preview we go through a lot of the x's and o's a lot of the matchups so let's do it first things first we've kind of talked about this all week the Steelers are returning 22 of their 24 starters were all on their roster last year not all the guys were starters but they're on their roster the only two guys that were not on their roster that are starting this year are Steven Wisniewski, who's going to replace David DeCastro, and mm-hmm. Chris Wormley at nose tackle. Wisniewski's a guard, by the way. And Chris Wormley, who's going to replace Jason Hargrave at nose tackle. Head coach is back. All three of their coordinators are back. So this is the team with a lot of continuity. If anyone would be able to survive this type of virtual offseason, it should be the Pittsburgh Steelers. Yeah, their quarterback's back, too. That's a big thing, you know? Yeah, you think? I, think that, I think that, yeah, I know. I don't think I know. <laughs> um, after seeing what they did last year, but offensively, um, I think that they feel comfortable with uh, what's going on with that offense when Ben Roethlisberger is behind center. Um, you know, Juju Schuster is used to catching nice footballs from him. And, of course, they've got a couple young guys that, that I think that are going to complement that offense in a running game that John Connor, um, listen, the guy can run. He's hard. you got to bring him down. He gets a – or James Connor, excuse me, gets a lot of yards after, after contact. So um, I think the only thing that, you, that I would worry about if I was this Pittsburgh Steelers – would be probably the fact that my offensive line is a little banged up and getting a little bit older. But I think, you know, on offensively, they have a lot of power. They it, really do. You mentioned David DeCastro, their Pro Bowl guard, is probably not going to play. Steven Wichniewski, who's been a starter for the Patriots forever. But not um, the Steelers. And, yep. and, and then also, I believe it was with the Eagles, Wichniewski. Does that sound right? Raiders, wasn't it? Raiders. Maybe it was the Raiders. But he's been <clears> in this <throat> league a long time starting games. So he'll be fine. Um, but yes, they're, you know, Marquis Pouncey is back. He's kind of battled his injury his whole career and we'll yeah, see about, you know, he's a good one. No, he is. And we'll also see about Deontay Johnson, who's been battling a foot injury. He did not I hope practice. he doesn't play. He didn't. Yeah, that's, it he's would a help. heck of a football player. Uh, I mean, I was, you know, studying the, the lineup a little bit yesterday 
And this guy, I, all of a sudden, I'm, I'm, wait a sec, where is this guy coming from? You know, it makes people miss, a lot of Ooh, speed. He's very quick, Jeff, very and quick. Not to mention his punt return skills. He had a touchdown against the Cardinals last year, 85 yards. So I think that, um, you know, he brings a lot of speed and, and kind of quickness to that position, not only at receiver, but at the special teams, too. Yeah, he's only 5'10", 180. He was one of my favorite late-round picks in the draft last year, just knows how to get open. And the surprising thing, you figure 5'10", 180 out of Toledo, you know, that, like, just screams to you slot player, right? Slot yeah. player. Well, last year, he only he played 90% of his snaps outside, and Juju Smith-Schuster played around 70% of his snaps Inside, So I'll be curious to see, now that they also have James Washington and Chase Claypool, if Deontay Johnson plays, how they're going to set those wide receivers up, which will obviously impact, Jeff, how the Giants decide to cover them. Because I would not think that Bradbury would follow Juju Smith-Schuster inside, but I think he would probably follow him on the perimeter. Again, Joe Judge has not revealed any of this. This is me and Jeff kind of assuming mm-hmm. here. He would follow him on the perimeter, but if Juju goes inside, that would he would then be covered by either Logan Ryan, Darnay Holmes, whoever that you know number one inside cornerback is. Yeah, and I think that you know, and real quickly, Chase Claypool. We followed him. We we interviewed the Notre Dame guys, and they just could not say enough about this guy. Um, big dude, you know, so I think look for him to be one of these impact players for the Steelers, a young receiver. Um, but as far as matchup goes, John, you know, I, I think that we've got to look a little bit at, at what we're going to see on Monday from uh, Patrick Graham's defense. Is it going to be a little bit of the Miami or is it going to be a little bit of the New England? And we know that we know what the New England philosophy was on the number one receiver. Or maybe a little bit of both. Who a little knows? bit of both. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, they could go there. They put the number one uh, cornerback on the number two receiver and double the other number one receiver for the opponent. So will that be it? Or will they just, you know, line up Logan Ryan or Corey Ballantyne on the number one receiver? I don't know. But we're going to find out sooner or later. But they got their hands full. And, and here's the other thing about that offense for the Steelers with Ben Roethlisberger, John, and you know this. You've got to be able to pressure Ben in the pocket. He will sit there. He is like, you know, he'll sit there forever. But if you give him time, he'll pick you apart. But also, if you can get close to him, you got to, he will not, he'll go down. He will not go down, you know, quickly. You got to get on him, and then he will turn the ball over. Well, he you, will give it to you. You wonder, too, they say his arm looks great, of course, as the folks might know out there. He missed pretty much all of last year due to an injury. He oh. got injured halfway through, I think it was the second game against the Seahawks. An elbow injury was not a full Tommy John, but I believe he repaired three tendons mm-hmm. in his elbow that were torn. Well and he apparently, exactly, he apparently looks very good in camp. He really didn't miss any time, and he says he feels great. We'll see, though, and this is a, a point Bob and I, Bob Pop and I were talking about off the air just a few minutes ago um, while we were socially distancing, of course. No, seriously, we were. Um, that, you know, he's a guy that as you get hit, and you're dragging him to the ground, and he, you're hanging on him. He's been able to make these throws before. So maybe his arm feels great when you're throwing on in seven-on-sevens and nobody hanging on you, but how will that arm handle trying to make those types of throws while guys are all over him? You know what I mean? Yeah, and and they're and and if they're in the vicinity of his injury in his elbow, you know, I think that like I think that's one thing that all everybody in the league didn't get to do as far as these warm up preseason games. And a guy like Ben Roethlisberger coming back, he would have liked to get hit. He would have liked to see some action that way because you know that nobody gets near him in practice. So that is something to watch on Monday night as far as getting close to him. But close isn't good enough. The Giants need to get after him and sack him. You know, because he will turn the football over, and I think that this is one of the things that we have to look at as far as the how the Giants can win this game, and I think if they can force some turnovers, they have a slight chance. Yeah, and I think that's how you do it, and a couple things on Roethlisberger. You mentioned last year in the game and a half he played in last year didn't play necessarily all that well, but look, it's a small sample size, and the first game was against what might be the best pass defense in the league in the yeah. New England Patriots, so I'm not going to you know go nuts over him playing poorly in game one of the year against the Patriots. I don't think that's necessarily fair to him. So, you know, he's a guy in 2018 threw for 5,000 yards, had 34 touchdown passes, mm-hmm. uh, completed 67% of his passes, and this was an interesting thing. He led the NFL that year in pass attempts, all right? So I know a lot of people think of the Steelers as this grinded-out, you know, physical yeah. football team. Yeah. Ben Roethlisberger led the NFL in pass attempts in 2018. Now, here's the impressive thing about it. Despite the fact he led him in pass attempts, he only got sacked 24 times that year. Yeah. And here's why. That year, and this, you know, Pro Football Focus tracks this, he was tied with Drew Brees for the third fastest average time to throw, just 2.48 seconds in the NFL. 
So you might think and remember Ben Roethlisberger as a seven-step drop, chuck it down the field, going downfield, holding it, doing all this stuff. Not the 2018 version of Ben Roethlisberger. He was getting that ball out quick. So mm-hmm. that's going to be an adjustment for the Giants' pass rush and their defensive backs. Yeah, and I think that when you look around, if you watch the game last night, um, you know, it's I, I, I can call, I guess it's Chuck and Duck. I mean, it really, these quarterbacks are getting, a, getting rid of the football quickly and getting into the hands of their playmakers. And I think that might be something to look at on Monday night that Ben Roethlisberger was going to want to do. And it's not going to, he's going to have to force to do that. He's used to doing that, like you mentioned. So he gets rid of the ball quickly and get the ball into the playmakers' hands. And I think that's exactly what the Giants are going to need to do offensively too. Now, the impressive thing, and perhaps even more impressive than the Steelers' offense, is their defense. And their numbers last year defensively, Jeff, were off the charts. I'm going to list a few just so folks can get a feel for them. We need to talk about every one of them. Fourth in points allowed. Second in negative yardage force. That's negative plays. Uh, First in yards after the catch allowed. Uh, Best in the league there. Seventh fewest 20-plus yard passes allowed. Third in passing yards per game. Third in passing yards per play. First in sacks with 54. They were also near the top of the league in terms of total pressures. Uh, They were on top of the league in terms of percentage of pass plays that were sacks, percentage of the pass plays where they got pressure. And they did that um, by blitzing 38% of the time, which is the fifth highest mark in the NFL. So, Jeff, the fact that they were able to put up all those numbers, despite the fact their offense last year was ranked near the bottom of the league in nearly every single category, tells me it's really good because it means they were on the field a lot because their offense kept going three and out because Mm -hmm. they had no quarterback. The fact that they were able to be that good last year, I'm maybe terrified is the wrong word, but I can't wait to see how good they're going to be if they're playing with leads and they can do all sorts of crazy stuff because their offense is scoring points. They'll play with a bigger lead (laughs) after that. Oh, yeah. The other thing, dude, they, they led the NFL in, in turnovers, uh, or excuse me, takeaways. He did. You're right. So, you know, when we do these these type of matchups and scouting reports to see who the opponent is, you kind of look for tendencies of where you have to – what is the glaring number that jumps off the page for you that is a weakness of your own team? And right now, when you look at the offense and Daniel Jones of what he did last year and his, his deficiency was turning the football over and fumbling, and then you look at that glaring statistic along with all the other ones that you just pointed out, them, the, Giant, the Giants have got to protect the football because the Steelers get after you. 38% blitz rate, and by the way, they get to the quarterback, they hit the quarterback, and they make the quarterback fumble. Force fumbles by the two ends, T.J. Watt and Bud Dupree. Those guys will get tor- good after you. Eight force fumbles for T.J. Watt last year. There you go. The so, um, listen, if you are game planning against the Steelers, the Steelers, they just they basically run their deep base defense, and they, they just tell you, hey, guess what? You're going to need to defend it because we're going to do – this is just what we do. We're not going to be crazy. But you got to defend it. But we got the guys that do it, right? We got the guys that can play the defense for the Steelers. If you're the Giants, you need to get Andrew Thomas a little bit of help. Let's just—he's a young rookie going against these guys. Um, T.J. Watt—he'll—he'll line up all over the place. You know, Bud Dupree. Both those guys had double-digit sacks. So. Um, it'll be interesting to see what Jason Garrett does to help his young guys out on the ends. Yeah, a couple matchups, Jeff, before we get to your calls. We have a couple open lines at 201-939-4513. Thomas in the Jersey Shore. You'll be up in just a couple of minutes, I promise. A couple matchups here, Jeff. You mentioned T.J. Watt. He had nearly 90% of his snaps, maybe more, lined up on the left side of the defensive line last year. So he's going to be lined up against Cameron Fleming. I know a lot of people have kind of intimated this this week that it's going to be Andrew Thomas on T.J. Watt. It will not be yeah, unless they numbers, move yeah. somebody around. So Bud Dupree will be lined up against him. You mentioned all of T.J. Watt's numbers, 14 and a half sacks. Uh, that was tied for fourth, fourth most in the NFL. He had, according to Pro Football Focus, a 21.4% win percentage on his pass rushes, tied for ninth best. 87 total pressures, tied with Nick Bosa for fourth most in the league. I mentioned the eight forced fumbles. Also at eight passes defended, Jeff, which means he's getting his hands up in those passing lanes and knocking them down. So for me, maybe the biggest matchup on defense is going to be T.J. Watt against Cameron Fleming, who is really a full-time starter Mm -hmm. to start the year for the first time in his NFL career. Well, he's got experience too. I mean, obviously you've heard Joe Judge talk about him, knows he can play. Uh, obviously, he won the position, and I think that that's going to help him a little bit. 
Um, but you know, overall, that offensive line has got a big challenge because even the guys in the in the middle are pretty good too. Cam Hayward, you know, the veteran guy, he's he's been there a while. He's he's very very good. Oh, and by the way, Jeff, I'm happy you brought him up because he's a guy that nobody talks about, and he just yeah. got paid, at least according to reports. Yep. Just a yep. number, real quick, before you move on. Hayward had 66 total pressures last year, right? Fourth most among interior defensive linemen in the NFL, only behind. Clayus Campbell, Aaron Donald, and Kenny Clark. Those are some pretty good names. And those names get mentioned a lot more than Cameron Hayward does. I think he gets lost a little bit in the Steelers' defense. He is excellent, and they get Stephon Tuitt back, who had three and a half sacks in only six games last year before he tore his bicep. Or Peck mm. wasn't, I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, so again, that defense is stout. And then when you look at the back, the, the, the back end of the defense, <laughs> I mean, make up Fitzpatrick. All pro, I mean, five interceptions, three fumble recoveries last year, a guy that can be all over the place. But, you know, Joe Hayden is a heck of a football player. I mean, you look at the, his stats from last year, just take a look at him. It's unbelievable. 17 pass deflections and five picks yeah. from that cornerback position. Um, one guy that we love, even coming out of college a couple of years ago when we were doing the draft stuff, is uh, Devin Bush. You know, a young linebacker who can play everywhere. Sideline to sideline, he is all over the football field, exciting to watch. Um, and Giants said, really liked him too, Jeff. They did, they did. And so last year, you know, he had 109 tackles, which tells you he's around the football. So, I mean, listen, offensively for the Giants, what are we going to do? They're going to run the football, uh, maybe some 21 personnel throughout the game and just try to grind it out and get some good pro- – get some good production on first and second downs and mm-hmm. not have Daniel Jones in those third and longs because you can't do that all, all game against the Steelers. It'll be just tw- can't. twists, stunts, blitzes, and yeah. Jones yep. is going to have to get rid of the ball quick. And by the way, it's not like it's going to be easy to get into those third and reasonables. Uh, on first down, the Steelers had the third best run defense in the league, just 3.7 yards per carry. Overall, third best run defense in the league, 3.79 yards allowed per carry. So their run defense is really strong, too. We'll see if there's any downgrade from Jason Hargrave to Chris Wormley. I wouldn't think so. Wormley's a good player. He's another guy that we talked a lot about in the draft a few years ago. So, Jeff, to me, for the offense for the Giants, the key is get rid of the ball out quick, protect the football. And then defensively, I think you just got to figure out a way to match up with those wide receivers, right, and get your guys on them, prevent yards after the catch, and try to prevent some of those explosive plays that the Steelers want, whether it's short throws to Johnson and Juju Smith-Schuster, they run after the catch, or they try to stretch the field vertically to Claypool or to James Washington. Those, to me, are two of the things the Giants are going to have to do here if they want to win this football game. Yeah, I think defensively for the Giants too. They need we need a good push up the middle. Okay, I yeah. mean you gotta you gotta you know kind of a a patchworked offensive line. And if there's ever a time for those big three guys, you know Leonard Williams and Tomlinson and Dexter to get after the quarterback and get a push up the middle, not only not only to stay. We know they can stop the run. Those guys are really good against the run. But we want to see a little bit more pressure up the middle and be able to collapse that pocket so those, so those uh, outside linebackers might be able to get to the quarterback. Yeah, and especially so, if Roethlisberger gets rid of the ball so quickly, the fastest way to get there is up the middle. Is you know The shortest distance between two points is a straight line. You That's got it. it, right up the middle. So it's going to be exciting. I, I think that you know I kind of mentioned this yesterday with Lance that I think if you're the Giants and you're scouting the Steelers, it's a little bit easier because you got a lot of you got a lot of film on this team, right? I mean, it's like you said at the beginning of the of the show, how many guys are returning? If you're the Steelers that are scouting the Giants, there's so much unknown here because of new new coaches, new schemes, new players, everything, um, and not even being able to see any of these guys because of the preseason. So I think that gives the Giants a little bit of an edge if you're trying to look for where you're going to get that edge to try to win the game. You know, how much it will come into effect, I don't know. But, I mean, it kind of makes sense. But all these teams are in the same positions. Nobody gets to evaluate anybody this year because of no preseason. Yeah, this will be the final thing I'll say, and then we'll get to your calls. we got a full bank, baby. I appreciate it, guys. Great job on the phones as always. Jeff, to me, this game is going to come down to two competing factors. I think it's – Easy argument to make, to your point, that the Steelers probably don't know exactly what the Giants are going to do. Mike Tomlin talked about studying the Dolphins from last year to study Patrick Graham, studying the Cowboys to study Jason Garrett's offenses, but you haven't seen those coaches with this personnel. So there's still going to be some air of mystery as to what the Giants are going to do. 
it's going to be that advantage for the Giants versus the advantage for the Steelers. And again, this is me assuming there's going to be an advantage. Maybe there's not. And this year, I think you're going to have more unpredictable outcomes in the NFL than you can imagine. But I think it's fair to say because of their continuity and their veteran players, the Steelers will probably execute better. And they're going to be ready from that standpoint. So which gives the two teams a better advantage heading into this game? We'll have to wait and find out. Yeah, I, I, I think that on paper, when I look at personnel, and I'm going to go down you know, position by position, obviously the Steelers are they're, they're, they're much better team on paper. They have better players. Um, so you know, that automatically gives Pittsburgh the edge. Um, when you're looking at the betting lines and things like that, that the guys, how they do things, you know, they obviously had the Pittsburgh Steelers at an advantage for some reasons. But, you know, it's interesting to me when, when I look at things like that, I thought it would be a lot higher, um, but it isn't because of the unknowns that you just mentioned. Right. I think that's why. Yeah, yeah, I agree. 201-939-4513, hashtag Giants Chat. If you want to get in touch with us on Twitter, that way you can. I did see some Twitter questions the last couple of days. If we don't get a ton of calls, I will try to get to them over the course of the show. In the meantime, Mr. Feagles, why don't we head out to the phones and we'll start off with Thomas in New Jersey on the Jersey Shore. He's been holding since the start of the show. We appreciate your patience, Thomas. Hope you're safe. Welcome to the show. What's on your mind? Hi, Thomas. Hey, how are you guys? We're good. It's always good to talk giant football. Absolutely. Yes, what do you got? Hey, I was I was wondering, you know, uh, whatever happened to John Jalapio? You know, I'm reading stories about who's going to start at center. Is it going to be Spencer Pulley? Is it going to be the new that converted guard? Or you know, and and uh, Jalapio came back from an injury, and I wonder, you know, why he got cut. You know, yeah. whatever happened to him? John, do you want to? I mean, I, I kind of know a little bit about. No, go ahead, Jeff. I'll, you can well, go first. From, from what I read, and again, these are not confirmed at all. This is just stuff that I have read and, and understand is the fact that I think that the Giants wanted to put him on the practice squad. He did not want to go there. Um, so he ended up uh, opting out of that situation. And then I believe he got, I don't know if he got signed, but I know that there was a lot of interest in him. So evidently, that's why he was. he's not on the team. Yeah, I thought he was a strong candidate. You know, uh, I guess the uh, the fellow from uh, Canada had worked with him, uh, the one guy the Giants had signed uh, to be a center, and then converted him over to be a center. And I thought he uh, looked pretty strong. And uh, I guess uh, Pulley and the uh, the the converted guard uh, Nick just Gates. passed him by. Yeah, Nick Gates. Sure. There, there you go. Yep. Yep. Well, I think well, that, I, you, you know, know I, I look forward to one of these guys taking over and really really running with it you know you know i also uh you know i also wish uh, john jalapio the best you know wherever he winds up sure sure yeah and honestly look uh, I, I jalapio hasn't signed anywhere yet apparently there were reports that he had to work out here or there yeah that's all i I'm, i have high hopes for nick gates i really do i think we kind of know what spencer pulley is and i think he's a good guy to have on your roster right. as somebody that is a you know good solid backup can come in smart player will do you know a yeoman's job if he has to play. But I think a guy like Gates, you know, these converted tackles when they move inside and Gates was a tackle in college, I like the potential they have because if you have the athleticism to play tackle, you have the athleticism to play guard. And if he can adjust to the different demands of those interior positions, having the guys line up closer to you, being a little bit stronger, right. playing in a box, I feel like it does give those guys a good chance to succeed. So we'll have to wait and see, but I have high hopes that if Nick Gates can handle that physical part of it and the mental part of it working with Daniel Jones, I think he'll be a, a solid addition at center. But we'll have to wait and see. We don't and know what, yet. What draft, pick, what draft pick was he for the Giants? Nick Gates was an undrafted free agent in 2018. Oh, okay. Okay, well, God bless him. I hope he does fantastic, and uh, I'm looking forward to Monday night. Hey, appreciate the call, Tom. Thanks Thank a lot, man. Good stuff. 201-939-4513. Yeah, Gates was a undrafted free agent in Nebraska, if I remember correctly, Jeff, I think. Um, was it in Nebraska or yeah, USC? I thought it was Nebraska. Um, I'll double-check that. Uh, he was undrafted in 2018. He got hurt earlier in the year. I believe it was a foot injury, if memory serves me correctly, and – he missed the whole season that year. So he kind of missed that first developmental year a little bit. But then he came back last year and earned his way onto the field, and he played well. So I think I, I, I feel pretty good about him this year. I do. It was Nebraska, by the way. It was Nebraska. Thank you. Yeah, you were right. Yeah, I do too. He, Listen, he, I, he, I he definitely, by the way, looks like a kid from Nebraska. <laughs> he does really that long hair. Not yep. necessarily. Oh, yeah. Who was the uh, Wheeler? That's yeah, that's what we were thinking about with USC. That, Wheeler that was the kid correct. from USC, yep. and, they, and they both had the long hair too, which that's is probably right. why you had him confused. That, I did. 
Um, <laughs> and Nick Gates, you know, what a great battle. We don't know officially if he is going to be the starter. I guess they haven't announced it yet, but the fact right, everything pointing to it, it looks like he will be. But I think that one thing about Nick Gates is that I think that going from the outside to the inside, you mentioned all the intangibles that come with it. Um, I also think it's the intelligence that comes with a new position of being center, where all of a sudden now you're forced upon learning an offense inside out rather than outside in. And I think that makes a big difference. And I think that that was probably one of the biggest things that the Giants wanted to find out about Nick Gates is can he handle, I guess, the cerebral part of being a center. And that's calling out the protections and, you know, doing everything you can and also learning how to snap the football. All right, let's go back to the phones and say, what's up to Dave in Cranford? He joins Dave. us next on Big Blue Kickoff Live. What's How up, How are we Dave? doing, Dave? Jeff and John, man, it's awesome. Okay, so one quick plug and one, and then one quick quick uh, question. So okay. the quick plug, if, if anyone listening hasn't taken the time to go listen to Schmelk's interview with the major giant reporters, you're missing something. It's on, what's it on, John? It's on. Uh, it is Mark, on the Giants, Giants Huddle. Giants Huddle. Yes. Sorry. So you should go listen to that. Now, in the past, John took the time to actually type up that whole thing and post it. Well, this, no, 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 no. Year... First of all, no, no. I don't want to take credit for that. That was not me that transcribed that whole thing. One of our oh. trusty interns okay. did, and we just don't have the staff this year to do it. So I don't oh, want okay. to take credit okay. for someone so else's I... tedious work. But trust me, that is tedious oh, okay. work. Very honorable. All right. I thought work. it Sorry, John. I thought it was you, but I'm just, I'm just saying, but anyway, awesome interview. Great, great conversation. And you, you, you had some great folks. So anyway, that's that Steelers, John, John and Jeff, here's the thing that, you know, I think as a crazy fan and, and looking for stuff, I mean, I think that this game, you know, which I think it's going to be the case for a number of our games is going to come down to the coaching and the scheme. You know, when I, you know, when you, talk about i mean i think john you did a great interview you know did a great summary when you talk about the steelers and you think about them on particularly on the defensive side of the ball um you know they're they're scary you know when you have a middle linebacker that can cover sideline to sideline that's a big advantage um i don't think their corners are as um concerning as 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 people might think only because i think they benefit from the pass rush, and so I, I think that if you could, if you could theoretically give your quarterback time, I think you can actually take advantage of some of those guys. That's just me, but my, my, I guess my point is, is that um, all of those things that we see, you know, Jason Garrett and, and Joe Judge and, and the rest of the staff see as well, and, and I think there are things that you can do, i.e., with Daniel Jones, you know, rolling him out of the pocket screen passes, you know, um, you know, you know, end runs and reverses. There, there are, you know, uh, quick slants. There are things that they can do to try to run the ball right at some of those edge rushers, particular TJ Watt, make him go backwards as opposed to forwards. So I think that, so I'm really fascinated. I guess what I'm saying is I'm really interested watching because I think if there's a chance for us and there is a chance more than a chance, I think it's going to come down to the scheme and the coaching and the preparation, you know, in terms of how we, how we could beat them. I think you make a good point. And I think that that's the whole philosophy, at least off, uh, defensively that we've been hearing out of Patrick Graham for the last three or four months. Right. I mean, I think every game is going to be different. They're going to try to attack the, you know, in certain ways, whether it's the weakness of some team or the strength of some team go right at them. It's kind of what you're indicating. So I, I'm excited, too, to see what type of from game from week one to get to week two of how this changes and if it does change and the, and how they line up. I think the whole purpose of the the schemes and the schematics of what we're talking about is to putting players in the best positions to succeed. And if it's sometimes lining up a guy on the other side or in the middle, um, do it. Or if it's some guy lining him up on the slot where he's normally been playing outside because the matchup is better and he can be a better player at that position, then they'll do it. So we'll see it Monday night. I think it'll be very, I think it'll be very clear and concise of what he's going to be doing, and we'll pick it up. At least I hope so. Hope you do, Jeff. I think you're right, and I and I think that's kind of the point. I I yeah. think that one of the things we've run into is that the last two head coaches were more 
I would just say, and we don't know yet, but just to say that the last two were more married to their offensive schemes, the scheme itself, as opposed to the players. And I think one of the things that I'm hopeful for, we don't know yet, but I'm hopeful for, is that I think Joe Judge is going to be a lot more honest about what his players can and can't do. And as a result of that honesty, I think he's going to be able to, you know, um, put them in positions to have a better chance of success. And obviously we're going to see that, and, and this is as good a test. I mean, my only, the only crazy part is how cool would it be they go win this game, win a game that they're not supposed to win, go win this game, and, and uh, you know, change the, change the dialogue. So you guys are the best. I, I can't thank you enough. I, I probably talked too long, but you guys that's are okay, the best. Dave. That's okay, Dave. I appreciate yep. the call. That was a good call. Thank yeah, you, Dave. Yeah, you made some good points. I think that's Absolutely. fair. The one thing yeah. I do want to see, and he talked about Jones getting out of the pocket. You know, he was a guy last year that was married to the pocket. He loved being in the pocket, throwing from the pocket, hanging in the pocket. That's what he did. So I would like to see how he plays if he has to, if he moves around a little bit and is thrown on the move. That's something we didn't see him do a ton of. Which, by the way, Jeff, is surprising, given Pat Shermer historically has moved the pocket a lot and in the West Coast offense. You know, the pocket is moved generally more often than not. So we'll see how often he is moved around a little bit under Jason Garrett and how well he performs when he is thrown on the move instead of being in the pocket. Well, I believe, you know, because he can run, and, you know, you want it, in today's game, the quarterback is kind of asked to do a little bit more of that. Um I think that the read option or, you know, I mean, I think that just watch. I mean, it's going to I think you're going to get it, get an idea of they're going to run that. And is he going to be able to get outside the pocket running some of that, um, you know, that type of an offense? Because if you look at Dallas did with Dak, he did a lot of that stuff, you know, and, and then get him out on the rollout or keeping the ball and running a little bit and changing it up a little bit. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, absolutely. I think it'll be fun to see. 201-939-4513. 201-939-4513. Let's go to Mark in Chicago. He joins us next on Hi, Big Mark. Blue Kickoff Live. What's up, Mark? Hey, guys. I am so ready for football. I went out and bought a 65-inch uh, widescreen TV. Oh, good for you, man. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. So, that anyway, although 55 um, nowadays seems so small, you know? I mean, <laughs> anyways. I know. Anyway, um, this isn't a bold prediction. I got a couple bold predictions, but you know, realistically, you know, the schedule's tough. What we've been through with the off season, and everything. To me, a really successful season, I think, realistically, is six or seven wins. You know, you get two against Washington, maybe one Philly, one Dallas. You throw a few more in, and I think that's a good year overall. I think. Opinion. I think if you can approach five hundred, Mark, I think you're looking at a good year. I agree with you. Yeah. I think a lot of people so, would be over ecstatic if this team, uh, you know, overachieved at seven and eight wins. I think what the over under is six and something, six and a half, maybe that everybody has it. But I, I, you know, listen, I think that if you can get to that point, and maybe we've talked about this before, is that maybe the Giants can snibble one game here or there on special teams. Uh, you know, just yep. a, a great performance out of their special well, teams, and, which, which is going to be strong. And Jeff, and, and fix the turnover issue. I think, you know, that, yeah, that's, just the, being that, games. That, that's the easiest way is not beating yourself. And based on everything Joe Judge's coach and this coaching staff has talked to his team and players, you know, they have done a really good job of really drilling it into these guys not to beat themselves. So if they Penalties. can do that, that's going to get them a couple wins just on their own. Because when you're worse in the league in turnover ratio or right near the bottom of the league, that costs you games. Like, there's nothing that costs you games more than that. Trust yeah. me. So if they can fix that mark, that'll get them closer to 500 on their own, even with all the other all right. disadvantages, new team, young team, no offseason, blah, blah, blah. And the other thing, by the way, that to me makes it a successful season, when I'm in December and I'm seeing the Giants line up to play against the Browns on December 20th, I want to be able to say if the Giants played as well as they're playing in December all year long, I think this could be an eight or nine win team. That's what I want to be able to say at the end of the year. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I do. And, uh, you know, uh, it'd be nice to have meaningful games after Halloween, you know, and uh, maybe yes. play a little spoiler at the end of the year. If we're out of it, play spoiler at the end of the year, like you just said, with Cleveland. Hey, Mark, are you, Mark look, and I know Len's going to call in and yell at me again, I think, but if you can just survive these first five games, you can get out of these yeah. first five games and be two and three. If you can somehow be two and three out of these first five games, I think that sets you up where you you are going to be mathematically in the mix into November. But you just got to get through these first five. I get it. So, uh, got a couple more predictions. Um, 
One is I want to maintain the one I had last year. It seems like I'm always a year late in my bold predictions. <laughs> so uh, when I was out in Detroit at that practice, Lorenzo Carter did what he did in that scrimmage the other day, you know, a couple weeks ago. So I want to maintain my prediction of Lorenzo Carter having ten and a half sacks from last year. He only had four and a half, I think. And then this is an under-the-radar one. You tell me if this isn't bold enough. I think they're going to find a way to get Levine Tololo uh, down in the red zone for four TDs. Ooh, so Carter, 10 and a half sacks. Levine, Tololo. Hey, you almost got it right. That, 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 that was close enough for you. Four TDs, and this is Mark in Chicago. Okay, it's going up on the board. By the way, folks, if you want to call your bold predictions, either today, and then we're going to have another show on Monday as well, uh, on game day. If you want to call in your bold predictions on game day before the uh, before the season starts, you can as well. Mark, thanks for the call, buddy. We appreciate it. Two and one, two, John. Yeah, I'm go sorry. ahead, Jeff. I'm sorry. Um, the other thing too is with with the you know, trying to win a couple extra games somehow, some way. Um, I think season long, if you can if you can continue to stop giving up the big plays, um, you're going to give up big plays. It's the way football is. But you know the the ones that are. The wide open guys down the middle of the field, you know, broken coverages. I think that if you can eliminate a lot of those mistakes, and I think this team will because we are talking about a totally different discipline mentality with Joe Judge. You know, he stresses mental, you know, preparation and doing things the right way and how you prepare and how you practice. And I think that that leads up to a carryover in games that if you know where you're at and you're disciplined and you do, do your job – quote, unquote, um, then you, you won't have to give up as many of those big plays and guys running down the middle of the field defensively, and then maybe you can stay in some games. You know what I'm saying? So I think last year we saw enough of that. With guys just like, are you? I mean, I don't know. I mean, a high school kid could have covered that person. He's wide open, you know, and I don't know what happened there. So eliminate those big plays and yeah. those kinds of mistakes, and you, have, you guys give yourself a good chance and, to and, win. And getting a couple of those big plays on offense wouldn't exactly hurt either. It would not, and I think that, you know, listen, I think Darius Slayton and, and Daniel Jones got a little chemistry together, right? Um, so we'll see what happens there. And, you know, Sterling Shepard is another guy that, remember, we they did not have him for five or six games it was last year with that concussion. Yeah, so, eight, actually. I think he only played eight games last year. I mean, Sterling, right? I, I think that, you know, that's a, a big plus to having him back. And, you know, we've talked about that wide receiver position. Is there really a number one wide receiver for the New York Giants that we would classify? Probably not. Oh, and speaking of which, by the way, Joe Judge did give some good noise. Good noise. Good, good news. Noise. <laughs> good news. What's some noise on, on Golden Tate today at his press conference? Oh, he said he's actually running pretty well. And he did play. By the way, Shepard was ten games last year. But um, you were right about that, Jeff. Uh, and Tate looked good in practice today. Was running. Is doing some team stuff. Good. He was limited on his practice report yesterday. Based on you know what Coach Judge said today, my guess he'll be limited again. We'll have to wait and see. But good news that maybe Golden Tate can go on Monday. When he first did that hamstring injury, Joe, uh, Jeff, yeah. I, was, oof, I wasn't sure that was going to happen. I know. But, hey, look, he's a tough guy. You go back in Golden Tate's career, he doesn't, oh. miss, he doesn't miss games due to injury. He doesn't. He just doesn't. So yep. he might either be a quick healer or just be able to play through some of these things when others can't. I think so. So right now it looks positive he might be able to play on Monday, which would be a big help. And I think, you know, collectively, I think this football team is in pretty good health-wise. I mean, knock on wood, um, looking at the guys. I mean, Blake Martinez was a guy that we didn't know if he was going to, you know, play this this week or not. And he's kind of – he's been out there practicing. So, um, good news. I mean, other than, you know, uh, the safety position, I mean, other than that, I think that these, the team is pretty good. They're pretty healthy. Yeah, and that's a really, really good sign. We'll see Marcus Golden. He did not practice yesterday with an illness. Now, there's no indication that that's the illness everyone's <laughs> thinking about. Sorry. So yeah. just keep that in mind. But right. he was marked as an illness, did not practice. We'll see if he practiced today. The injury report, I do not believe, has been published yet for today. If it's out before the end of the show, practice should be ending shortly. Uh, I will pass it on to everybody. 201-939-4513. 201-939-4513. Scott, New Mexico is up next. Hey, Scotty. Hi, Scott. Hey, guys. How you doing today? What's up, buddy? Good. Uh, Quick, quick point. Uh, I kind of agree a little bit with what Dave had said about uh, schemes, but I also think it's very important, and uh, maybe even more important, how they adjust or what adjustments are made during the game. And that can have a, a, a real good relevance as to whether the Giants can, can match up with Pittsburgh, which is scary. 
But did Kansas City last night provide a little bit of a blueprint? I'm not comparing teams by any stretch of the imagination, but they ran the ball about 30 or 35 times, I think, last night. And uh, obviously they had great success uh, doing it. Is Saquon Barkley a key to seeing if they can actually perform well and actually if they follow that same side of mantra, do that kind of thing, run the ball a little bit more? Yeah, remember, uh, though, a lot of those runs, Scott, came after they got the lead. So they, they moved the ball a lot. I know he had the one long run for a touchdown, but early in the game the Chiefs passed the ball a lot. And later in the game, once they got the lead, they ran it. So that, that, that's the general formula here for how the NFL works these days. Okay, but against Pittsburgh, where you have all these uh, great pass rushers, are screens and uh, you know, plays to the outside a better way for them to attack the, the Pittsburgh yeah, sc- defense? Yeah, you know what? Screens for sure. You know, A team that, that brings extra pressure a lot and is very aggressive going after the quarterback, yeah, I, I think screens are good. Maybe some draws things like that, to, to slow down that pass rush. I think the key, right. Scott, get rid of the ball quickly. And to your point, you know, try to get into third and reasonable by running the ball. The problem is that the run defense is really good too. Right. But, yes, you're right. Screens and draws are stuff that can work against a very aggressive defense up front. And as far as adjustments, one quick question. I'll take it off the air. Say uh, we know Andrew Thomas is a rookie. He's going to struggle. Do you think if he struggles – I wouldn't say badly, but he's having difficulties. Would Joe Judge hesitate to pull the plug and change the offensive line a little bit to maybe uh, protect Daniel Jones a little bit better? Not that Andrew Thomas isn't going to play well at some point, but I'm just curious if he's going to make the adjustments that are necessary on the offensive line to try to control that Pittsburgh defense. Thank you, Scott. Appreciate the call, my friend. Um, I just don't know who they would replace him with if you're going to replace him you're going to replace him with Matt Parrott right I doubt they're going to bring in the guy they just got off of waivers uh, from Kansas City that would be surprising to me so you're going to replace Thomas with Parrott yeah Yeah, but you still got to find another tackle then right yeah do you then do you move Gates from center and put him at tackle and put Fleming at left to me that's a lot of moving parts look I'm never gonna I'm never gonna say never Scott but I think it's gonna take an awful lot to yank Andrew Thomas from this game. Now, if, if, if Daniel Jones is, you know, half in the ground, maybe, but I, I, I just don't know if there's another great option once you get past a, Thomas. The other, option, the other option is to get him some help. I mean, put a tight end yeah, next to him. Great point. You know? So, I mean, that's the easiest thing, right? You got him. You usually have three dressed. So, I mean, you can put, put a guy there on, on the life and, and, or get Eli Penny and get him in there in some situations where on passing downs that you got the fullback in there to let him help with some of that pass rush from, from Dupree and Watt. So I, I think that that's the easy solution. I, I, think, I think collectively you want to give this guy as much experience as you can. We understand he's going to struggle. But then if when he does struggle, get him some help. Don't, don't ruin his confidence by taking him out. You right. know, just say, hey, listen, guy, you're going to do better. And, and we all know he's going to get better. The guy is a, a legitimate left tackle in this, in this, in this league. He's just going to have to go through the, the bumps and bruises and the aches and pains of being in, in, in the NFL where every week you're lining up against guys that can beat you. I mean, look at the success rate, John. You said that T.J. Watt had, according to Pro Football Focus, okay, had a 21 or 22% success rate. Uh, pass rush win rate for him was, let me find that. I think it was the in the 20s. 21 points. So that's one of every five pass rushes, which is amazing, by the way. Okay, so when you're dealing with that, you would, I guess if you would ask people, you would think that that success rate would be much higher, right? I mean, just because you think that these guys are always getting after the quarterback. But, you know, that means that left tackles are winning and right tackles are winning quite a bit of times, right? So, you know, you see the point I'm making? I mean, you just got to gotta be patient with this guy and just get him some help. That's what I would do. Are you doing the dishes while we're doing the show here, Jeff? Is that what I'm hearing? <laughs> No, what are you, are you hearing? I, I, somebody, think I, I think I hear, I don't know. It sounds like somebody's using a sink in the background. I don't know what it is. Oh, it might be it's one fine. of my kids. Yeah, yeah. It's okay. It's not a big deal. I just thought it was funny. I thought maybe Jeff was helping around the house while he's doing the show. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I got the Comrex on the <laughs> counter while I got the dishwasher open. <laughs> yeah, pro- probably not advisable. Okay, no. 201-939-4513, 201-939-4513. I think Craig in Florida has been holding the longest there. Brian, let's bring him on. Craig, what's going on, pal? Hi, Craig. Hey, Jeff. Hey, John. How's it going? What's up, pal? Good. How are you? I got two uh, bold predictions there, but I just want to get this off my chest about the Giants fans. It just seems like the morale of the fans um, is just, like, so low going into this game. 
Like, like, why can't we just be the hard-nosed, old-school Giants football team of old? But, you know, why can't we uh, project Andrew Thomas to put C.J. Watt in third? Why can't we see that old Will Hernandez, the Zeitler? You know, why can't we uh, uh, hype our guys up instead of saying, you know, oh, C.J. Watt and Bud Dupree and which those guys are great. I get it. You know, they are. They're, they're great. They've been great the past few years. But, you know, the Giants, we need some swagger back, Jeff. You know, you're on a lot of Giants teams with, you know, that swagger I'm talking about under Coughlin. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I think we've been missing that the past two years. I think it'll come back. I think, you know, when we talk about those other players, they, they're they're good for a reason, right? I mean, they're good players. Yeah, and I think yeah. it's just going to take a little bit of time for these guys that we're talking about, the Will Hernandez's and that offensive line to become nasty like that 07, 08 uh, offensive line that the Giants had back in the day, just a nasty group of people, yeah. and, and the people can start getting excited about yeah, them. Yeah, I, th- I think you hope the guys on the team can develop into those guys. That's they, right. You know, they're just, at least they haven't shown they're there yet. If right. they get there faster, then, then we think that's great. I'm just not sure they're going to be there in week one in an off season where they really couldn't do much on the field, Craig. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Okay, yeah, and I, you know, that, not to be misunderstood, I think you guys are probably – really positive for what you guys do. You know, you guys are obviously around the team a lot more than the fans. I'm saying, you know, us on the outside, the fans, yeah. you know, uh, you know, social media and even some of the people that call on the show or whatever, even, you know, on TV, it's just like, man, the Giants are just going to win two games and the, the rookies are going to be terrible and Daniel Jones <laughs> isn't going to fix the fumbling problem and, oh, my God. It's like, guys, can we, let's see what Joe Judge has done. I know there's been no OTAs, no preseason. You know, but you know, I think um, Paul or Jeff was making the point earlier, the Steelers haven't seen a Joe Judge team. You know, they haven't seen Andrew Thomas. They haven't seen uh, Blake Martinez and Bradbury in, in Giants uniforms. So, you know, they don't really have much to go off of when they're preparing for us. You know, you got to kind of look at it both ways, I think, um, as fans. I'm not saying you guys. You guys are great. I listen to the show every day. You guys are great. But um, anyway, the, the bold predictions real quick. I'm going to get off the line. I think Barkley goes for two touchdowns on Monday night against the Steelers. Um, if we win, who knows? I think Barkley gets two touchdowns receiving, rushing. However, he gets in the end zone twice. And I think he has a shot this year to break the uh, single-season touchdown record with Damian Thompson. So I think he's going for 30, guys. I want to see it, you know, rushing, receiving, whatever. I want to see him get 30 touchdowns this year. That's my uh, bold prediction. For the All right, Craig Barkley Thanks, for 30 TDs. I got it. Thanks for the call, buddy. I appreciate it. Hey, Thanks, Brian, do you remember where Craig was calling from? I took it off the sheet here. He was in Florida. Thank you. I got to put on my little bold prediction thing here. All right, beautiful. Let's get to another call, Jeff, before uh, we run out of time here. I want to make sure we get to both our callers before we have to close out the show. Sal is in Kansas. He joins us next. Hey, Sal. Hello, Sal. Hey, guys. Hey, guys. How you doing? We're doing great. What's up? Hey, well, quick question on Pat Graham. Um, you know, w- one of the things that I'm concerned about is I know he knows Judge. I know he knows Martinez. I know he's with the Giants and so forth in the past. But, you know, historically, I know he's with Miami. They let him go after a year. I mean, can you give me something to go on that makes you feel excited, you know, from a schematic standpoint with Pat Graham's defense, uh, for the Giants this year. Yeah, we I can. I will do it. Yeah, yes, Sal, I can. I'll, yeah. um, I'll go first, and then I'll let Jeff go, and then you I can respond. Gonna, I bet you're going to say the same thing I am. Well, no, okay, well, he, he, here's what I'm going to say. I'm going to say this. Last year, the Dolphins starred the season the first four games, and they were exactly. as bad of a football team as you can imagine. They were getting blown up by everybody. They trade away their best players. Their top corners, Avian Howard, got hurt. Minka Fitzpatrick gets traded, and they stunk. All right, They hit their bye week earlier in the year, and then when they come back, you see a slow progression, and they get better and better and better as the year went along to the point where in the last game of the year, in a game the Patriots actually needed, they beat the New England Patriots in the final week of the season, and their defense is playing well, even though basically the Dolphins' defense was filled with a bunch of practice squad guys. So, And when I watched that game on tape, you know, when the Giants played the Dolphins in December last year, I said, look, these Dolphin guys aren't that talented, but you watch it how they play. They do exactly what they're asked. They know the scheme. They know their assignments, and they play hard. So I think if you can get him some more talented pieces, which I think the Giants have in comparison to what the Dolphins had last year, you know, playing good man-to-man defense in the NFL is still the ultimate trump card. 
If every team in the NFL right. the players could do it, they would play good man-to-man defense. That's what Patrick Graham's going to try to get this group to do. So it, now it might not happen right away. It might take some time. But if if that's right. if you want to try to find something to be excited about, for me at least, that would be it. Jeff, how about you? No, I was going to do the same thing. I, I, I remember last year with the Dolphins, the way that they improved as the season went along. And I think that you know their defensive coordinator, Pat Graham, I mean, he was there. He, uh, he basically got those guys to play for him. He got their scheme to work. And I think that's what, that's what you should be excited about. And I think that, you know, as far as depth and as far as players, I mean, if you want to go compare the Giants' defense to the Dolphins' defense, go ahead and go do it. I, I think you'd be pretty – Pretty pressed to say that maybe the Giants defensively are a little bit more talented. Okay. All right. Well, that's fair, guys. I, hey, I appreciate you taking the time and everything that you do. You're welcome. Hey, appreciate the call, my friend. 201-939-4513. Let's go to Jeff in Rhode Island. He joins us next on Big Blue Kickoff Live. Hi, Jeff. Hello, Jeff. Hey, guys. How you doing today? We're doing great. Very good. What's up? Good. That's good. I, You know, I, I think Jeff will look pretty good in a frilly apron there standing by the kitchen sink. <laughs> 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 I'll, hey. I'll uh, Ward Cleaver. Yeah. Ward <laughs> Cleaver. If you, guys, if, you guys know, if you guys know who Ward Cleaver is. I do. Was. Come on. Leave it to uh, Beaver. Give me yeah. a break, man. <laughs> That's right. I'm almost 40 uh, now. Yeah, I'm old. Uh, yeah, yeah, me too, man. I'm older than both of you guys, but uh, way older. Uh, John, I called yesterday. I, I, I said that I don't know if it's a bold prediction, but uh, – I said I thought the Giants would have a pretty good chance of being a uh, 500 club if their defense, uh, you know, held up their uh, end of the bargain. So I'm sorry, we'll Jeff. There are happens. there are way too many ifs in there for that to be considered a bold prediction. Sorry. Yeah, no, it's, it's not very. I know. <laughs> you don't get kinda, to make the board kinda, with that one. <laughs> it's kind of lame. I know. But, That's okay, uh, but it's reasonable, hey, uh, which is probably why there's a better chance of coming true. <laughs> yeah, but. Uh, do we uh, do we have anybody that uh, can cover a tight end this year on our defense? I think Jabril Peppers is going to be your guy in that category. I think it could have been yeah. Xavier McKinney, to be quite honest yeah. with you. If he was healthy, I think he would have fit that pretty well. I think Logan Ryan might take his shot at that point, yeah. too. Yeah. So okay. I, I think yeah. th- those are the three guys that you're looking at. If you want to cover a tight end man-on-man, I think Blake Martinez will match up with his fair share, too. Uh, preferably yeah. in zone than man. But I think if you're looking for guys to cover the tight end, that would be it. And don't forget okay. about Devontae Downs. Yeah. He, he is a guy that That's has really come on. And he's, he's okay. of all the guys, the middle linebackers that can cover, it would be him. He's the guy that has a little more athleticism. So, I mean, listen, okay. Blake Martinez yeah. is a tackling machine. Yeah. Wait till you see this guy tackle. I mean, yeah. this guy is everywhere. Um, okay. But I think as far as coverage on tight end, Devontae would be my guy. Okay, well, then. One other uh, quick, quick thing. Uh, the one thing I, I don't want to hear Kyle Banks say when I listen to the to the fan on the games that I don't get around here is that, uh, well, there it is again, the Giants' uh, secondary <laughs> beaten by a deep crossing pattern. I don't want to. I don't want to be hearing that a hundred times this year. Yes, know? I hope you're right. Or the we tight were... end open right in the middle of the field. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, guys, thank you. Have a good day, okay? Hey, I appreciate the call, Jeff. Good stuff, my friend. 201-939-4513. Brian, you can try to squeeze one more in real quick. we got somebody else coming in. We'll try to get him in real fast before we say goodbye. Um, in the meantime, i got a quick Twitter question here, Jeff, from Stephen Lippman. Good one for you. What specific types of sloppy play would you expect in the first few games across the NFL? Is it tackling, long snaps, audibles, blitz pickups? What, what do you think some of the quote-unquote sloppy play is that we're going to see because there really has been no offseason? I think it's going to be tackling, and I think we did see that in the game last night too yeah I think tackling is number one just because of of the fact that nobody has been able to practice it really live Um, I know the Giants tried to do it as much as they could but you know it was basically monitored Um, and the other guys know that you don't want to hit your own guys as hard as you can so I think sloppiness yeah definitely we've always seen sloppiness in the first quarter of the season anyway so I think that's number one I think number two will be just logistics as far as like um, how you know snap counts um, things like that. We're not going to worry about teams aren't going to worry about crowd noise. So that's, that shouldn't be an issue. But I think just kind of the overall ebb and flow of the game, um, just because it's so new and, and since it's you haven't played any of them. So I think penalties and I think tackling and not in that particular order, but I think those are two things to look out for. Okay, that, that caller hung up, so we're not going to go to him. And so the Jeff, other thing, too, John, real ahead, quickly about, about penalties. Yes. I, I don't know if the league has had meetings with the referees and had said, hey, listen, guys, you know, we got to understand that these teams haven't played any football games 
um, and that, you know, would there be a little bit more leniency on calling things like offsides and, you know, little like if a guy blatantly jumps offsides, it's going to be called. But you know what I'm saying? Like, I think maybe there might be a little bit of tendency to say, OK, we're going to let the guys play a little bit um, and then we'll kind of reel it in as we go once these guys get a little more experience playing some games. Absolutely. Uh, Jeff, final thoughts before the Giants take on the Steelers to kick off their 2020 year on Monday Night yeah. Football. Thank you, John. I, I, I think that my final thoughts kind of, I guess they just mirror what we've been talking about all day today. And I think the Giants, here's my whole philosophy on what you're going to see against for the Giants team going through the season. I think you're going to see a Joe Judge team that's disciplined. Okay, they're not going to make as many mistakes as you think they are, um, according to like last year and the years before. That discipline is going to pay a, play a big role in this team. They're going to be prepared. I promise you they're going to be prepared. And being prepared and disciplined should be able to get you some victories overall throughout the season. Now, how that carries over against the Pittsburgh Steelers, I think it will. But you got to understand the Pittsburgh Steelers are one of the best teams in the National Football League. Okay, And you need to... You need to play, and you need to play smart with this team. You do not give them chances. To, to Don't turn the football over offensively, and on defense, try to get some turnovers and eliminate the penalties and the stupid plays that beat yourself. I don't think you're going to see a lot of that this year, uh, John, and I hopefully I don't see it on Monday night. All right, Jeff, I'm going to make you make a bold prediction. Oh. I have two questions for you. I'm going right. to write them down, yeah. and then I can make funny on the pregame show I'm on, on, uh, or on BBK next week. Okay. Who will catch – the first kickoff for the New York football Giants on Monday night. That will be Holmes. Darnay Holmes. Darnay Holmes. Okay, so, so you're going with the unofficial depth chart. Mm-hmm. Who will catch the first punt for the Giants on Monday night football? I believe it will be Jabril Peppers because I don't think that they want to test Golden Tate with that hamstring just because. So I think it will be Jabril Peppers. And we, I don't know if you and Lance touched on this yesterday, but I, I've made this point before. And I, this has kind of always been an argument for me on this show, and fans get mad because they all have, you know, Jason Seahorn post-traumatic stress disorder. Oh, yes. <laughs> you know, th- this coach is going to use starting players on no both question. sides of the ball in special teams. He doesn't care. He basically was asked this the other day. He said it. He was like, guys, look, they're all football players, right? We want to get the, ha- the ball into the hands of our best football players as much as possible. That's right. And by the way, not only just the skill positions, okay, but I looked out at the punt team plenty of times and saw starters which I'm not going to mention because we're not allowed to do that. But I can tell you right now, there were starters on some of the core special teams um, teams that normally you would not see that. Okay, so just don't be surprised on Monday night when uh, the punt team runs out there or punt or kickoff team or whatever that you see starters on offense and defense playing special teams more than you have before. And that just goes to your point, John. No question about it. Jeff? Fun as always, my friend. Woo-hoo. We will talk on Monday for Big Blue yeah. Kickoff Live at noon. And then, of course, the Giants radio pregame show is back. It starts at 545 on WFAN on Monday night. If you're on one of our network affiliates around the country, we start at 615. Make sure you choose in. We'll be back with all your favorite segments. We'll have head coach Joe Judge. Leonard Williams will join us as well as our player interview. you also hear that in the Giants Huddle Podcast whenever that gets done. So John. make sure you go check all that out. We appreciate you being with us. Hold on, Jeff. John. I, I think i got to say one more, go one more thing. When we, what do you got? We, we, have to, we have to say this today. I mean, today is 9-11. Oh, um, I, Jeff, I just, thank I, you. I totally I forgot. Like, Please, I feel yeah, like an idiot. Go ahead. I'm no, sorry. No, no worries. I just wanted to want, want everybody to know, you know, hey, we will never forget the, the slogan for this. Um, um, for and especially the people around here, um, this is a this is a was a horrible day. It's 19 years ago now. Um, it's already time. gone by that far. I'll never yeah. forget where I was at. Um, I was with the Seattle Seahawks, and uh, on a morning where we were three hours behind uh, these the folks here in New York, um, waking up to that that morning was uh, was just something I will never ever forget. And I just want everybody to know that you know our thoughts and prayers are with all the families that had people perish. Um, I know both from you, John, and the show and the Giants, we all just, you know, we remember all the people on this day. Yeah, absolutely. Um, That morning, I was a sophomore in college. I was waking up to go to the class. I had a 10 o'clock, I think it was a a writing workshop class in the city. I went to NYU, so I usually take the subway in. So I wake up in the morning, you know, it's, you know, shortly after 8 o'clock, give or take. And the TV in my room at that point just had rat. I, I didn't dorm there because I was trying to, you know, not go into billion dollars of debt. And <laughs> so my the TV in my bedroom at home had rabbit ears, right? So I I turned the TV on like I usually do to put on one of the morning shows, you know, whatever, see what's going on, and it's all fuzz. 
mm. and, and I can't get a signal. I'm like, what's what's going on here? And it's weird. I've never had this before. None of the channels are coming in. And I go downstairs. I put on direct TV. And as I put on channel, I think it was, the, I think I put the Today Show on, if I remember right. And they're showing, I think it was a second plane hitting the second tower. And I, then it clicked with me. That's why the TV upstairs didn't work. You know where all the analog antennas are to send oh, out the, the TV buildings. signals wow. Wow. in New York City? Most of them, some might have been on the Empire State Building, but a majority of them were on the World Trade Center. So that is kind of how I woke up, and that's how you just knew that something was wrong. It was really weird. But uh, to Jeff's point, thoughts and prayers to all the families out there, obviously, that lost anybody. I know some people are still dealing with health issues from those attacks as well. Absolutely. Um, best to them. Um, you know, we all, we all did kind of come together after that. Hopefully we can get back to that at some point um, and unite and be a strong country together. Jeff, awesome. Th thank you for bringing that up. You're I welcome. can't believe I did forget it. I appreciate no you worries. doing that. You got a lot going on. Um, yeah. <laughs> as you, as you said earlier in the show, drowning. drowning. Um, but I, I'm very happy we did that. Thank you, Jeff. We will talk, have a great weekend. We'll talk to you on Monday. See you everybody. God bless everyone out there. Stay safe.